This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM Antioch Catholic Radio. This month, I have the great honor of hosting Dr. Brian Thatcher, MD of Tampa, Florida. He is a retired medical doctor who travels the world speaking on the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, the message of divine mercy, and his own personal conversion. He founded the Eucharistic Apostles of Divine Mercy in 1996, which is now a lay apostolate of the Congregation of Marians of the Immaculate Conception. And I had the great honor of meeting him soon after my own conversion, probably, I think, in 1998. So he was new in this work of uh, spreading the Divine Mercy message, and I was a new on-fire Catholic, and I met him in Chicago at a Marian conference. So welcome, Dr. Brian Thatcher. Thank you, Letty. Thanks for having me. I've been wanting to uh, focus on the topic of divine mercy because it is near and dear to my heart. And since you're, most of your apostolate is kind of steeped in that, why don't we start this session off by speaking a little bit about St. Faustina and how the Lord first appeared to her and kind of how he led her into this work of divine mercy? Well, St. Faustina was a an uneducated nun in the convent in Poland. She entered the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, and she only had two winters of education. She could barely read or write. She was not considered, you know, the future uh, mother superior. She was left to do the most menial task, and from a worldly sense, it would be one that people would say the Lord would be the last to, to appear to someone like this. But she had a deep love for the Lord. She had a deep trust. And um, her whole life was just focused on doing God's will. And it was on February 22, 1931, that he first appeared to her in her little cell in the convent in Poland. And he appeared as a, as a different Lord in some ways and that there were these rays of pale rays and red rays emanating from his pierced heart and uh, he told her that I am the Lord of mercy mercy is my greatest attribute and you are to tell the whole world of my unfathomable mercy not not just the Catholics not just uh, the people in Poland but you are to tell the whole world of my unfathomable mercy and people need to come back to me and love me with their whole heart mind and soul and body and um, she never traveled. She never left Poland. And yet the world have, uh, has learned so much, and this message has spread rapidly. And it's really been the rapid, most rapid growing devotion in the history of the church. And this image, it's interesting because Jesus appeared with the rays emanating, but his right hand was raised as if in a blessing. And he's really saying to her and to us, peace be with you. And it's that same Jesus that appeared to the apostles in the upper room after the resurrection. And they were afraid. They didn't know what was going on. Where was he? And he walked through the wall, and he said to the apostles, Peace be with you. And he calmed their fears. And that's really what he's telling us. Calm your fears. Trust in me. I am the Lord your God. 
And it's an interesting image because the whole message is really a Eucharistic message, and we'll get into that later. But his hands and feet, and of course the side, bore the marks of the crucifixion, Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And it was this Lord who walked through the walls and the risen Lord, so we have Easter morning. Now, remember at the Last Supper, that week that Jesus walked into Jerusalem, it was the Feast of the Passover. And... Um, they ate the unblemished land to celebrate the Passover when the angel of death passed over the Jewish households and the firstborn were slain. And so the, the tradition was that they would eat the lamb. Well, Jesus is the lamb of God. So he comes in and dies and is the victim, but he's also the sacrifice at the Last Supper. Eat my body, drink my blood. So that's Holy Thursday. And there's a beautiful passage in the diary of Faustina in 684 where Faustina was actually bilocated to the cynical room, the upper room on Holy Thursday, and she was a witness to what happened at the consecration. And she says, I was most deeply moved when before the consecration Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and entered into a mysterious conversation with the Father. It's only in eternity that we shall really understand that moment. His eyes were like two flames. His face was radiant, white as snow. His whole personage full of majesty. And at the moment of consecration, love rested satiated, meaning love was filled to the brim. She said, now only the external ceremony of death will be carried out. That was Good Friday. That was the external destruction. But she said the essence of it all is in the cynical. Father Michalenko, the noted theologian, explained this to me in the sense that we humans had to see Jesus' death. But the essence was really in the cynical on Holy Thursday. So Holy Thursday and Good Friday are two parts of a single act. But the essence of it all was when Jesus offered up his body and said, take and eat this, this is my body and drink my blood. Oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. I've never heard that explained that way. It's a beautiful thing. And um, so... As Eucharistic Apostles of Divine Mercy, someone said to me years ago, well, that's a, that name of your ministry is redundant. And I said, you're exactly right. Because the Eucharist we receive at Mass is the same Jesus that's in the image. And it's true. Amen. So this image uh, really has Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter morning all wrapped up in a single image. It's a beautiful concept. Yeah. And, of course, the key to living the message, which we'll talk about later, is, Jesus, I trust in you. He didn't have to tell Faustina to put anything below the image, but he said, Jesus, I trust in you. Now, Faustina told Father Shapotsko that the Lord wants this image. And so he commissioned an artist, uh, Kazmierski. Now, you can imagine telling somebody to paint a picture of someone that, he can't see. So there were a lot of changes and a lot of changes. And finally, Faustina one night wept to the Lord. She said, this image does not convey the beauty that I see in you. Yes. And, the, and the Lord came back to her and said, it's good enough. It's good enough. And amazingly, years ago, friends of mine had a life-size shroud of Turin given to them from the Shroud Center in Colorado. And they were passing out and distributing life-size images of the Divine Mercy. 
and they superimposed the image of divine mercy on the shroud, and it was a perfect match. That is powerful. I and, have been to one of those evenings where they actually do that in front of you, and it really moved me. Forensic pathologists have looked at that focal points on the face of the shroud and the image, and they looked at 99 points throughout, and they all matched, and they said this is beyond you know, coincidence. It's not statistically possible that these two would be matched. These are the same people. How beautiful. And, uh, so that's the beauty of the image. And, um, and yet again, we get back to the Eucharist. We get back, but Jesus said, tell everybody about my love and mercy. He said, I am love and mercy itself. Amen. And that's why I wanted to have you on this show, because my, my apostolate here is called fullness of life. And it is through love and mercy poured down from our Lord that we are given that fullness of life. We have to be able to accept those gifts that he gives so freely. And I think that's why in Scripture, you know, you read Corinthians that they always read the passage um, at weddings, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is not boastful. You really just read that really slowly. You realize that wow, we all need a major conversion of the heart. Amen. You know, in Ezekiel it's written, I'll take your heart of stone and I'll turn it into a heart of flesh for love and caring. We have to love as Christ loved us. And he told Faustina that his gaze from the image, looking down, and people said, well, why would Jesus be looking down? He told Faustina that that gaze from the image is the same gaze as I had when I looked on people humanity from the cross oh my gosh how powerful love love you know jesus said god said in the bible the first commandment is love god and second love your neighbor is yourself and it's all about love if you do everything you know if you can move mountains but you don't have love yes it's useless so exactly. love is the key and we have to look at each other's when people look at us letty they should see the image of of divine mercy Beautiful. and when we look at others we should see divine mercy at them and you know if we if we try just a little harder each day we can grow in virtue I have this little thing with myself it's a challenge kind of myself I try and step out of my own milieu my environment my comfort zone every day and try and do a work of mercy my wife may call me, and it's like the most inopportune time. Can you help with the grandkids? Can you run to the store? Can you pick up my daughter Claire? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. Don't, don't worry about it. No problem. You know, I don't count the cost. So many times we count the cost. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but. And we miss these opportunities to reach out and be kind to people. Mm. And Powerful. sometimes it's just a hand on the shoulder. It's just a gentle pat. It's just a kind word. And people are longing for love people Amen. are longing for community they're yes. longing to be part of something and we are the church and we need to get out of ourselves and see love in each person as christ i love that and that leads to this next question which is you know your ministry promotes cenacles of prayer based on the writings of saint faustina can you explain a little bit more about what a cenacle is the cynical is nothing more than a guided study through the Diary of Faustina. You know, it's all my travels I've found that people, some people know a little bit about the chaplet, they know a little bit about the feast day, they know a little bit about the image, and they think that, oh, God's merciful, I know that, and that's all of it. But it's so much more than that. And when you read 
Faustinian spirituality. I look on it now, this whole message is not really a message. It's much, much more than a devotion. It's really a spirituality in itself. And it just is a way of life. And we live it by watching our tongue, by forgiving others, by trusting in the Lord when the rubber hits the road, and being merciful to each other. Uh, Faustina had a great story in, in her diary. The nuns used to get upset with her because she was always helping these poor people. Well, the nuns didn't have much. It was right before the war in Poland. Food was scarce. But on one winter morning, she went to the gate, and there was a poor man in tattered clothing at the gate begging for food, and she brought him inside, heated up a little broth, and found a crusty piece of bread and fed it to him. And when she turned around, the man had disappeared, but in his place was sitting Christ himself. I love that story. And the Lord told her, I have come down from heaven my throne in heaven to taste the fruits of your mercy mm. and scripture tells us whatever you do to the least of your brethren you do unto me and we just have to always remember that and do all things out of love so the cynical really gets into and it's a faith sharing group it, you know we have prayer groups which are awesome but we pray in the meetings but the main part of the cynical meeting is small group discussions on what they read and how it impacts their life Beautiful. you know we go to mass and we we don't really know the people sitting next to us. We don't know they may be going through a divorce. They may be getting chemotherapy for cancer. Yes. We shake their hands at the sign of peace and we leave. And this is a small church with a concept to build up the bigger church because after six months or so of study, we want them to do small works of mercy, go to the pastor and say, how can we help you, Father, build up the church? Amen. It may be going to a nursing home. It may be whatever. Well, and isn't this based also on the example of Mary and the disciples waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit? It was the cynical. It was the first cynical. That's why we actually uh, coined the term, because the cynical was the upper room. And it's uh, based on the small Christian community concept, the most major form of evangelization throughout the, the world, of small groups meeting to pray and discuss holy writings we we use the diary as our main guide but we bring in scripture and the catechism and really i don't worry about you know there's groups all over the world africa south america central america philippines i know that when people get together to talk about god only good things can come out amen i love that and the reality is you know we long for intimacy with others we long for intimacy with god most of all but if we are not in some type of small faith-sharing group like that, it is very hard, as you ex you know explained, to develop those close relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is a perfect way to promote that kind of intimacy and deeper faith-sharing. And you know what Mother Teresa said, it, it was so accurate many years ago. She said one of the biggest problems in, in America, we have all this wealth, we have all these material things, but it's loneliness. Amen. And this, and, and we're going to talk in another segment on, on the dying, and that's another area where we can step it up and be present to people. It's, it's being present, you know, yes. listening. But we're all so hurried. We're all in such a fast pace that we don't really hear what people are saying. And um, I think the Lord's calling us all to just slow down, be present, be present and be love to my other human beings. And, don't be afraid to stand up for the faith. You know, the real presence, the Blessed Mother. And we have to know our faith, though. 
We have Absolutely. To, yeah. Learn it and then live it. That, that's what we tell people. Learn your faith and live it. Well, this has been a, a wonderful first segment of this radio show, but it's time for a commercial break. Please don't go away. Come back for the next part after the short break because Brian's going to share a bit about his own story and a very powerful story about his son, John Paul. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina on Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM Antioch Catholic Radio. And if you're just tuning in, I have Dr. Brian Thatcher with me, and he is sharing all about the message of divine mercy and his work in an apostolate of divine mercy. And one of the things he wants to get into right now is sharing his own personal story about his son, John Paul. Well, Letty, just a little bit before we get to John Paul, because um, I, as you mentioned in the first segment, I'm a retired physician. I was trained in my final stop was at the Cleveland Clinic, so I had some of the best training in the world and really had a tremendous, from the worldly sense, was uh, immensely successful, had a thriving practice, but uh, there were problems. I, I didn't set boundaries. I didn't have a balance in my life, and I was never home. And... Uh, things were in total disarray. It was like the earth that was in orbit, but it was just spinning wildly out of control. And uh, things came crashing down. I was not living and leading a holy life. And we ended up moving, and I sold my practice, and uh, the marriage had to go undergo significant healing, and I needed to undergo healing. And it was at that critical low point in my life that a friend handed me the diary of Faustina. As I, as I began to read it, I, I felt like this was like the Lord was speaking right to me, and it was like a balm, an ointment for a broken heart. Yeah. And the one quote in the diary that just jumped out at me, it was like it just enlarged right on the page, was the Lord told Faustina, the greater the sinner, the greater the right to my mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and that was really my life jacket during those difficult times trust and as I began to read more and more of the diary it was like the whole world needs to hear about this because I knew many people that were lost and looking and just wondered where the answer was and it's not in the materialism it's not in all the fine things of this life but it was in Jesus Christ and so I ended up really getting into divine mercy and just one thing led to the other and it just I decided to give up practicing medicine and devote myself to spreading divine mercy and back in 1995 we were blessed with the birth of a son months before earlier six months before i was in the chapel and the lord just i just felt the lord said to name this son john paul so we named him john paul he nearly died at birth the cord was wrapped around his foot and every time my wife would have a contraction his foot would press on the umbilical cord and he wasn't getting enough oxygen and mm-hmm. when he was born he was dark blue and they had to work on him really hard and they finally he finally came around and um, so that was like his introduction to life but I was out in Denver when he was 15 months old speaking at a conference telling people about trust in the Lord and the Eucharist and came back late Sunday night it was in the morning you know past midnight and the next day we were having a mass in our home and we have a pool in our backyard in Florida uh, with a screened-in enclosure, and I had walked outside, opened the pool gate, walked out to the backyard, and 
just then my oldest boy, Brian, who was 11 at the time, said, Dad, can you start the lawnmower for me? So I walked around the front, started the lawnmower, came in the house. My daughter, Andrea, the oldest, said, Dad, can you take me to swim practice? So the two girls and I hopped in the car on our way to swim practice. This is probably 20 minutes later, so I get a call on my cell phone. It's little Brian. He said, Dad, John Paul's dead. Somebody left the pool gate open. And uh, this was like one of these calls you just, it's surreal. It doesn't, you, you're like, you're kidding, right? This, this isn't happening. You know, this, 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 doesn't, this isn't real. And um, so I said, well, you call 911, have mom start CPR. My wife's a nurse, and she did. She was already doing CPR on him. And I said, I'm on my way home. So I turned around, drove back home, and uh, it, we hit every red light. And I was told the girls about what had happened, and they were crying. And I, I prayed, Letty, like I've never prayed before. Every prayer I could think of, every saint, um, Jesus, Blessed Mother. And we hit this major intersection, and, of course, the light was red. I had two, three minutes there of prayer, and I'm thinking, wait a second. I just got back from Denver talking about trust in the Lord. Well, I said, it came to mind, I said, Jesus, I'm offering him up to you. You know, John Paul was really the apple of my eye because he was the fruit of a healed marriage. And here I am trying to do the Lord's work, and he took him away. And I said, Lord, I don't understand this, but I trust in you. I trust in your mercy. I trust in your plan. Yeah. And the scripture verse of Abraham offering Isaac, walking him up the mountainside, came to my mind, and I said, like Abraham walked Isaac up, was offering him sacrifice. I'm offering John Paul back to you. Oh, I give him back to you. You gave him to me, but he's yours. And I, I gave him back. The light turned green. I got home, you know, 10 minutes later, and the squad had just arrived. John Paul was distended, bloated, Ugh. not really making any noise. My wife had gotten a very thready, weak pulse back. I rode with him in the squad, went to the hospital, admitted him. I called my sister who lived about three hours away at the time, and I said, please pray for John Paul. They had a very strong Marian prayer group, and I said, pray for John Paul tonight in your prayer group. I don't know where this is going. Yeah. Over the next couple days, it seemed like every three, four hours, I noticed he was getting better, and his mental condition improved. His clarity was getting better. And after a few days, we took him home normal. <laughs> Praise well, God. I saw, I saw my sister about three weeks later. She was coming up for Thanksgiving that year. This was 24 years ago. We were still in the garage. I remember it like yesterday. And she said, Brian, I want to tell you this story in person. That night we prayed for John Paul in prayer group. The next morning we all went to Mass. And after Mass, my best friend Irma came up to me and said, don't worry, John Paul's going to be fine. Because when I was in Mass after communion praying, I had a vision and I saw Abraham offering Isaac up to God, and Jesus stepped in the middle and gave him back. And I just looked at her in stunned disbelief, and I said, wow, well, let me tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> and, um, so not everything comes out that good, you know? Of I mean, course. it was like a test, but I trust in the Lord, and yet I know that the main thing is we trust in the Lord. And... Since then, we've had many family calamities right now. We've got a lot of very sick sister, My own sister and brother-in-law are dying. And yeah. I realize it's not, you know, we pray for an outcome in life. Yes. When we have a problem, we pray for 
this to be fixed, that to be fixed, take away our financial struggles, help my kids, whatever. But it's not even the outcome so much as it's important, is that it's the trust along the way. I love that. I I mean, I heard you share that story um, 20 years ago, and it touched me to my core because it was so beautiful just to see God's love and that trust that you offered back to him. That's what touched my heart. So I hope our listeners are really listening into that point of it, that we cannot control the outcome. God alone is in charge of all of these things. But trust in his love, trust in his mercy, and trust that he will give you the grace to handle whatever comes, right? And, and really, there's a saying, you know, um, God never gives you more than you can handle. Yes. I don't like that saying. I think it's better said, God never gives you more than the two of you together can handle. Oh, amen. <laughs> That's you, better. <laughs> you know, if you cling to his robe, and now I really understand why Jesus wanted Jesus, I trust in you, below the image. Yes. Because I can walk through the valley of tears and the fire around me, and I will I will get through it because I have the Lord on my side. Amen. And, and that's why he wanted Jesus, I trust in you. That's the hallmark of living the message. Exactly. Now, of course, there is another important facet of living the message, and that even comes before trust, and that's forgiveness, because we have to forgive others. Yes. And we pray to our Father during the rosary, during the chaplet, we say it at Mass, Father, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespass against me and yet we hold on to stuff yep we say we forgive and forget but in actuality we seldom forgive and we rarely forget and we hold on to stuff yep and as i've traveled and done missions and spoken uh, churches people come up to me i had an incident a few years ago in canada i spoke on forgiveness one night and the next day he came up to me and said i have to tell you what happened Last night, my cousins and I have not spoken for years. Our parents didn't speak. They had a family squabble. And after they died, we cousins just kept it up. I called my cousin and said, we need to get together and talk. I miss you. She cried over the phone and said, oh, thank you so much. You know, we need to talk and get along and love each other as as relatives and brothers and sisters in Christ. And they were going to have a big healing coming up soon, but he had such a burden because all that lack of forgiveness, it's like we carry around bricks and concrete, and Paul says, run the good race and fight the good fight, and yet we run around, want to run around the track holding all this garbage. Amen. And, I, you know, I just want to insert here that that forgiveness is very, very difficult, right? But with God's grace and the sacraments, especially going to confession, you can receive the grace you need to allow the Lord to heal that woundedness in your heart and to to give you the grace to forgive. You can't do it on your own. No, and it doesn't take away the memories. It doesn't erase it like it never happened, but it's that you are free and you know, you think of the rays coming from his heart, the rays from the sun, with like the same rays from the sun that, you know, the earth rotates around. Yes. And you can fly up to like a little butterfly to the sun, and, and you're free because Amen. it's not, because the people that hurt us, they might even not know they hurt you, right. or they may have forgotten about it, 
and we're the ones that are bound in chains, and it sets us free. Yeah, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we got forgiveness and trust, and we talked about mercy. And, uh, you know, we got to be more merciful. For um, sure. For sure. Well, can we, I, I'd really like to talk about St. Faustina and her love for the dying. I heard you mention that you have some family members that are, you know, getting close to that point. And we, you know, I'm sure all, many of our listeners know others that they love that are getting close to that point. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, Faustina's mission, her motto really was God and souls. And she had a deep love for the dying. And the Lord told her that if she prayed the chaplain of divine mercy at the bedside of the dying, that he would be there just as he is in the image as the merciful Savior and not as a just judge. And he would stand between the Father and and implore mercy for that person. And so years ago, we asked the Holy Father, well, what if we're not at the bedside? You know, what if I get a call that my son who's in college in University of Florida is in a car rack near death, I can't be there. What if I prayed the chaplet? And the Holy Father came back and said, it doesn't matter. In the eternal now with God, Amen. all is present. And if you pray the chaplet for a dying person, then he will be there as a merciful Savior. How beautiful. And Faustina actually had a couple great stories in her diary. One night she was awakened by a nun who was dying in a convent about 100 kilometers away. And she was awakened, and the nun was telling her, please pray for me, I'm dying. So she went to her chapel and prayed for that nun until she heard in her soul the nuns say, oh, thank you. And the next morning she got up for breakfast and all the nuns were saying, oh, did you hear about Sister So-and-so died last night? <laughs> and, and another great one was the Lord actually said to her, come help me save this dying soul. So she's bilocated, taken to the bedside of this dying person. And there were demons at the bedside. Yes. The person was in the hospital. He was very sick, but he was anxious. He was writhing in agony. And she saw demons around the bedside ready to take his soul. And as she began to pray the chaplet, here's Jesus appear at the bedside. And the demons fled in terror and fear. And she said, the chaplet and the man died a very peaceful death with Jesus at the bedside. Okay, I just want to emphasize this to our listeners that please hear what Brian is saying, that this praying of the chaplet for the dying is a great gift from our dear Lord. And no matter where you are, those prayers are powerful to bring protection and the grace needed to receive that blessing from our Lord who comes as the merciful Savior in that last moment. And we really need to take advantage of this great gift that the Lord has given us. Now, Jesus told Faustina that dying souls have the most need of trust. That's the hour of your life. There's two, the two greatest moments in your life where you, is the moment of your birth and the moment of your death. And so it's the time when you need to have trust in the Lord the most. And the Holy Father actually asked us in 1999 when he gave us a special blessing for everyone that would pray a chaplet, especially during adoration, in front of Jesus, imploring mercy for the dying. And so if your church has an adoration chapel, it doesn't have to be perpetual. You, you call us down in Tampa. You Google Eucharistic Apostles of Divine Mercy. Get a hold of me. And um, if the pastor allows it, we'll send a copy of the papal blessing because we want as many people 
pray in the chaplet for the sick and the dying. It's a, it's a great work of mercy. Oh, it is. You know, many, many people are elderly and they wonder, how can I get involved? What kind of work of mercy can I do? I'm just at home, you know, bedridden or whatever. We can pray a chaplet. What an incredible work of mercy. Absolutely. I'm going to be reaching out to you, Brian, because we do have an adoration program, and and I want that apostolic blessing. Um, And I had my own special experience after I learned about this message through your sharing of your witness. I began to pray that chaplet, especially for the dying, and I had a very powerful experience where the Lord um, or my angel, I don't know who woke me up in the middle of the night, I didn't know who I was supposed to pray for, but I knew I had to pray for someone who was dying. And so I picked up my rosary and I prayed. It was in the middle of the night. And then I finished the rosary, looked at the, uh, or finished the chaplet, looked at the time and went back to sleep. And the very next day I got an email from a friend who told me that her father had passed away. And I was stunned because I knew it was for him that I had been woken up and then I wrote to her and said, be at peace. I was woken up last night to pray the chaplet for someone who was dying, and I didn't know who it was. It was for your father. And then she wrote back and said, he died at 4.05 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I had finished my chaplet at 3.05 a.m. Central Standard Time, the exact minute of his death. Wow. Isn't that powerful? You know, when people say, well, what's the big deal? What's the power of the chaplet? Well, Again, it comes back to the Eucharist, because as Catholics, we believe in the real presence, that Jesus is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Well, what do we pray in the chaplet? Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your most dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the real presence. That's the power of the chaplet. It's a Eucharistic prayer. It all ties in. This all ties in. The Eucharist, confession... We say, well, why do we need to confess our sins? Well, we even know in the 12-step program, in the addiction program is healing. The the fourth and fifth steps talk about confessing, telling someone all of your sins. There's power in healing. And Jesus said, I am there in the person of the priest. And he told Faustina, there the greatest miracles take place in the confessional. Amen. So don't be afraid to go to confession. Yes. Unload, get rid of all this garbage, be as free as a little bird, Amen. and um, receive the Eucharist, go to confession. That's the sacraments of mercy. Yes. The, so it all it all adds up. It all is a big picture. It's and all truth. By mercy, it's all there. <laughs> yes, it's God's great love and truth, and we can't go wrong following the Lord. Well, this brings us to the end of our second segment of this wonderful show, but please don't go away, because after this short commercial break, uh, Brian is going to talk about uh, Divine Mercy Sunday, which is coming up soon. So this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. And we are in the final segment of our show with Dr. Brian Thatcher of the Eucharistic Apostles of Divine Mercy. And he's been sharing some wonderful information about Divine Mercy and St. Faustina. I'd really like him to focus now on the beautiful gift of Divine Mercy Sunday 
and what the Lord himself revealed to Faustina about this celebration. Well, Letty, in the early church, there actually was a feast, but over the years it kind of fell out. And um, the Lord told Faustina, I want this feast day you know, brought back to life, so to speak. And um, it's the first Sunday after Easter, and some people say, well, doesn't that interfere with Easter? Well, actually, you know, the octave, the eighth day of the culmination of Easter is the Feast of Mercy. So they tie in together. Jesus yes. died out of love for us. And we're going to end it, and we're going to celebrate this Feast of Divine Mercy. Now, one thing our listeners have to understand is, I think if they can accept this simple concept, you know, and for any non-Catholics listening as well, the Church has always taught about a place or a time of purgation, where as Catholics we believe for the, the soul to see God, it has to be pure, and and that that I have no trouble with that. That makes sense to me. You yeah. know, to be in front of God, you don't want to wear your dirtiest clothes. Right. And um, it's like Moses standing in front of the burning bush, and God said, "Hey, Moses, take your feet off. This is holy ground." Yeah. And in the Old Testament, in Maccabees, it talks about praying for the dead. Well, if there only was a heaven, people wouldn't need prayers, and if they're in hell. Our prayers would have no purpose. So the inference there is there is an intermediary place. And so that is a place, even though in the confessional our sins are forgiven, it's there's a stain on the soul that the soul must be cleansed. And we as Catholics call that place purgatory. So on Mercy Sunday, the Lord said if you follow these simple requirements, which I'll discuss in a second, on Mercy Sunday, your soul becomes as white as snow. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if you received, it's like you received a second baptism. Wow. And Jesus told Faustina that on the Feast of Divine Mercy, the floodgates of heaven are open. So I always like a picture like Niagara Falls. God's mercy is always present. But on Mercy Sunday, it's like Niagara Falls comes pouring down on us. And how do we receive these graces? Well, during Lent, we say two to three weeks before you go to confession, confess your sins. On Mercy Sunday, you go to Mass in a state of grace. You don't have to receive the sacrament of confession on Mercy Sunday. That's almost humanly impossible because there aren't enough priests to hear that many confessions. <laughs> right. So God's not going to give... Say, hey, I got this great thing going, but then make the bar so high that nobody gets to the graces. Right. So that's why we say go before, and some theologians say you can go two to three weeks after. But you go to Mass on that day, and you receive Holy Communion. And if possible, you venerate the image. Well, venerate means to show respect. If you don't have an image, you can't venerate it. So that's not a mandatory requirement. It's basically gone to confession, you're in a state of grace, and you go and receive Holy Communion, and you just say, I'm trying to turn my life over to Jesus more, and Jesus, I trust in you, and your soul becomes as white as snow. How beautiful. And if you were to die on Mercy Sunday, what an incredible grace that would be, because <laughs> sure. that's like, you know, in Monopoly, you get the $200 going around, and it's, it's, a, it's a great grace, and people 
who don't even know about the grace if they they've received it for all these years just by because they're faithful and they've gone to confession during Lent and they go to Mass and receive Holy Communion. Yes. But the Lord also says we we want to start trying to trust in me more and we want to be kinder and more merciful people and these type of things that we talked about earlier. Yes. So exactly. that that's really the graces of the Feast of Divine Mercy. It's so powerful, and that's exactly why I wanted to have you on the show in early April, so that people are made aware of this beautiful opportunity to take advantage of these graces that the Lord has provided. Um, one of the things that I know um, is that St. Faustina was given a novena to pray before the feast day to prepare. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, the Lord told her to prepare for this great feast day, and he gave her nine intentions. And he said, pray these intentions every during the day, the nine days preceding the feast day, and then pray a chaplet following. Now, it's not a mandatory requirement. The Lord never said, if you don't pray the novena, I'm not going to give you the graces. Right. But because he wanted Faustina to, we just took it on ourselves, and we all can do it if, if we so have the opportunity. But he gave nine beautiful intentions, and I'd just like to review a couple of them. Sure. On the sixth day, he said, Today bring to me the meek and humble souls and the souls of little children and immerse them in my mercy. The souls of little children are so beautiful to God. And he, these souls send all heaven into ecstasy, and they are the Heavenly Father's favorites. Mm -hmm. And we think of the scourge of abortion. Yes and the ending of life and now they're even talking about you know it's okay to abort children right up into the second before birth yeah and it, it's heartbreaking got to be heartbreaking to the lord it's, it's just so sad yes. on the seventh day today bring to me the souls who especially venerate and glorify my mercy and immerse them in my mercy these souls are mighty with the very power of God himself. In the midst of all affliction and adversities, they go forward confident of your mercy and united to you, and they carry all mankind on their shoulders. And I think of the people, the, the good, devout, elderly women in the church go to morning mass. They're holding like the earth up on its shoulders. <laughs> and I, I just... You know that, who you are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, another thing, uh, when I was reading that, it came to my mind, on a, a Bible verse on the, on the death of Lazarus and the rising from the dead, and this hit me like a couple years ago. I'd read that scripture verse so many times, but Jesus was kind of rebuking Mary and Martha. You know, they're saying, well, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened, and da-di-da-di-da. And Jesus looked at him and said, did I not tell you? that if you believed that you would see the power of God. Mm. And that jumped out at me. I said, I get it, Lord, because I have seen the power of God. Yes. I've seen so many miracles through divine mercy. And that's why I just want to tell everybody I can about trust in the Lord. He'll never let you down. You may not get the outcome you want, but you'll be filled with such a peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. And in the ninth day, Letty, said, today bring me souls who have become lukewarm and immerse them in the abyss of my mercy. 
He said those souls, the lukewarm souls, wounded his heart the most on the road to Calvary. Wow. And that really was like a lance piercing my own heart because we think of our country. We think of all the people who have turned away from God, who think all the answers are in the materialism and um, secularism, and um, those were the souls that wounded his heart. So this Naivina is merely a preparation for the feast day, um, but it's not a mandatory requirement, but it is, is an excellent part. And, of course, you go to confession, and we just, again, trust in his mercy. You know, some people say, oh, I feel so much better going to confession. Some people say, I don't feel anything going to confession. But yeah. I'd just like to share a story of a nun who was in Faustina's convent. And one time she came to Faustina, and she said, you know, sister, before I entered the convent, I lived a very tough and difficult life and made many, many mistakes. And I've been to many, many confessors. And they all told me that God has forgiven me and I need to move on. But I just can't accept that he has forgiven me for all these great sins I committed. Will you ask Jesus tonight if he's really forgiven me? So Faustina did. And here's what the Lord told her. She said, he said, you tell sister that her lack of trust in my mercy wounds my heart much more than the sins she ever committed. Wow. We beat ourselves up for our mistakes and our serious sins. But the Lord forgives them. We go to confession, and he forgives them, and he throws them in the ocean of mercy. Yes. It's an ocean that has no bottom, and they're forgotten. We just says, you know, I love the sinner. I hate the sin. Go and sin no more. And we keep trying, but we all fall down. But the saints got up. That's what made him saint. We fall down and we get up. That's the journey of life. Never give up. Trust in the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord and the Blessed Mother. And um, we're all going to make it if we do that. Amen. I love that. And I I love what you just said, bottomless. It's bottomless. Do you hear that, people? There is no end to his mercy. Turn to him. Trust in him. Let him, you know, flow that mercy into your heart and soul and bring you the healing you need because again we are all sinners we all fall time and again but his mercy is endless and that is such a gift the lord told faustina that discouragement and an exaggerated anxiety are two of the greatest obstacles to holiness mm-hmm. why does brian get discouraged i get discouraged because things aren't going my way yes i get anxious exaggerated anxiety i get anxious when the world around me is falling in and i don't see any way out but the only way out is to do our best and let god do the rest and trust in the lord that's the only way we're going to get through this valley of tears yes the answer is right in front of us and this is a time of mercy the lord came to faustina and he said tell the whole world about my mercy and it's spreading like wildfire, but now we have to take it from our heads to our hearts and live it and understand. For me, sometimes the distance from my head to my heart is like 100 miles. I know. We hear it, but we don't hear it. Yeah. But it has to become integrated into our daily lives. Yes. And so it's so much more than having an image of Jesus in your home or praying a chapel, which are all great, powerful things. Right. And the feast day is one day a year. 
But, you know, my biggest fear is not Mercy Sunday. My biggest fear is what I'm going to do on Monday. Yes. You know? Right. Because I know by the grace of God, if it weren't for the grace of God, I'll fall down and get into trouble. Yeah. I know who I am. And I think this whole message just allows us also to enter a realm of spiritual, the life in the spirit, and that most people today don't even aren't even aware of. Exactly. And, and that's that's one of the things that I try to emphasize on this radio show, fullness of life. So many people are either unaware of the great graces available to them in coming close to the Lord, living the life of grace that he calls us to live. And so they're missing out on that fullness that he wants to give them. And so thank you, Brian, for doing your part in spreading this beautiful message. We're mind, body, and spirit. And when people really get into the spiritual realm, they will come to know themselves in a much deeper way. Yes. And all that just leads to inner healing, and they will feel the power and the peace and the love of God. And um, God is love, and he, he must increase, and I must decrease. Yes. So beautiful. Uh, there's so much more that we could talk about, uh, but our time is coming to a close. So if people want to learn more about your work, how can they find out more information? Yeah, we, we have a toll-free number here. Our office is in Tampa. Uh, it's one 877 You can go to the Marion's website, which is a simple, uh, easy-to-remember, the divinemercy.org O-R-G for organization thedivinemercy.org you look up lay apostolates click on enter search for Eucharistic Apostles of Divine Mercy and you can find us here we have a beautiful uh, section on our work and um, you know I encourage any time any listener has a question on Divine Mercy or has any struggles they want to share and just give us a call we'd love to help them out in any way we can spread the message of God's love Thank you. And I know you go out and give talks and days of um, renewal, reflection. Yeah. reflection. Yeah, I love to go out and talk on all the things we've talked about, but go into much more detail, the Eucharist and confession yeah. and living the message, explaining the image and the feast and uh, the pro-life we didn't really even get much into today, the yeah. Blessed Mother. So just love to tell people about Jesus and hopefully bring them closer to God. Amen. And thank you again, Brian, for coming and sharing this wonderful um, personal witness as well as the work that you're doing as an apostle, as an apostle, Eucharistic apostle of divine mercy. And I just want to emphasize to our listeners, you know, we are all called. We are all called to share the good news, mostly in the way we live, but also to be willing to speak out and let people know the great love and mercy of God that is available to every single person in this world. So we're all called to do our part. I hope that Brian's story has inspired you as it continues to inspire me. And um, again, thank you, Brian. May God continue to bless your work mightily. Thank, thank you, Lenny. All right. Thank you, everyone. Please tune in next month. Um, this is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Until we meet again, I'm wishing you all his fullness of life. Bye.